Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about talent writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter, underscore NJ Watson. And today we are talking all about work-life balance. How has work from home had an impact on the TV industry's balance between work and life? And what are strategies we've worked on to manage those two aspects? Well, let's discuss that right now. <laughs> All right, let's look at the issue at hand. And the reason why we picked this issue is in part because this is the first paper team of the new year of 2021. So it kind of made sense to talk about this, especially now with the evolution of a work from home uh, during the pandemic and a new year starting, everything is kind of in flux, but it's, I think, safe to say that work from home is here to stay for a lot of people, at least partially. Yeah, that's right. We've seen in the news a little while back that a lot of the big companies are saying not even thinking about reopening offices until April, but I'm sure all of that is TBD as well, depending on what ends up happening with the coronavirus situation, vaccinations, all that sort of thing. So uh, it does seem like it's still a big part of our future for the time being. And this episode was kind of inspired, I guess, by an article from The Hollywood Reporter right at the end of last year in November regarding uh, sort of Hollywood assistants and how they are adjusting to the working from home situation, how it's different to what they have uh, experienced in the past, whether it's better, whether it's worse, uh, the kinds of pros and cons that have come with it. Absolutely. There were a lot of red flags uh, in that article and red flags that we've also personally experienced in our daily lives and professional lives in terms of the blurring of those lines between what is work and what is home. And on top of that, the different asks that are being uh, given to those assistants. Uh, For example, those assistants have had to do a lot more IT type work, even though they're assistants, they're not working in IT. And that's because everything is remote now. So they had to train their boss on how to use, for example, Zoom or even an iPad or something like that. And conversely, some of the tasks that they had to normally do, like scheduling drinks and coffee, has pivoted towards more sending material out, making trips at FedEx and uh, those uh, other locations to do more hands-on work. Whereas back in the day when they had an office space, they could just call in. And so now it's a lot more groundwork almost. Yeah, thinking back to my assistant days, there was nothing more stressful than your boss not being in the same place. Maybe they had gone to a drinks or a meeting or something downtown and uh, them frantically calling you saying that uh, something has gone wrong. You know, I can't get in, I can't get to this place and you're not there. So you can't really do anything to help them with the situation or you have to troubleshoot some sort of uh, yeah online phone meeting thing. Like I can't imagine the kind of stress these people are under trying to play IT support when they probably don't have any sort of <laughs> legitimate qualifications in that uh, when people are trying to get onto these big important pitch meetings or things like that. Exactly. You know, it reminds me of, I don't know if it's the case with your parents, but certainly with my parents, every time there's a technical issue, they call me and they ask me to fix it. Even though I'm literally halfway across the world, I can't even <laughs> see their screen right now. And uh, how do you want me to uh, troubleshoot your problem on that Windows computer when I can't even see what is on the screen? That's basically the kind of ask that uh, is uh, being required here in terms of IT work. It's absurd. But what is even more absurd, as we hinted at the beginning, is just the blurring of the lines between work and life. And that is not just assistants, it's also writers and pretty much everyone in this industry. I've personally experienced it myself, especially at the beginning of this pandemic when we transitioned into a digital writer's room over Zoom or Skype or what have you, where the clear delineation between when you are in the writer's room and when you're not. Pre-COVID times, it was very clear, obviously, uh, if only for the fact that you were literally not in the conference room. But here, it's essentially you're constantly at the mercy 
diversity of having that Skype call, that Zoom call to begin or end uh, or drag on, or you're not quite sure when it's going to happen. Uh, at least that's the fear that exists for a lot of people. And so that's the kind of blurring of the line where you can't not quite sure when work ends and when work begins. Yeah, it's interesting because something about the nature of the work of being remote and not always immediate and right there in front of you seems to kind of register with some people as, well, you're kind of always working and you're always available, you know, just because, like you said, you don't have somebody in the room right in front of you to tell whether they're available or not. I think that there's the, this real blur of, uh, well, then they're probably still going to be available at 8 p.m. Like, where are they going? I know that they're not going out to dinner or I know that they're not going out to, to hang out with some friends. So uh, everyone's just always available all the time, which is certainly not true. Yeah. And that's even tougher to quantify when it's something creative. If you're an assistant, you can say, hey, I've set up X amount of meetings or I've sent these emails and that email. So at least there's a way to track when things are done. But as a writer, it's very hard to quantify what that work is when, is it a question of generating X amount of pages? Is it a question of generating X amount of pitches before we start the Zoom call? Or is it in the Zoom call, should we hit this goalpost at a specific time before we end the call? Uh, it's all these nuances that don't quite exist in other fields that we got to be aware of as TV writers. Yeah. And for those out there and our listeners who aren't maybe writing full time, but have another job and then want to be doing writing outside of work. And on top of that, when is the outside of work now? You know, like work is kind of always there. So it's harder and harder to separate yourself from that. At least maybe previously you had a commute from somewhere back home. And then when you got home and you had dinner and you watched some TV, they like, this is my time. This is my space at my house. Now your house is your workplace too. So what do you do? Do you get up off of one couch cushion and move two seats over and then now you're in the writing place. It's so hard to kind of draw that distinction. And to that point, let's talk about the third big issue on top of the different kinds of asks that you are being given during work from home days on top of the blurring of the lines. The third big issue is just a constant pressure to be productive or creative 24 seven. And this has been an ongoing conversation, uh, not just on Twitter, but pretty much everywhere about the fear and pressure of being creative in these pandemic times and these times when you are at home, because if you're at home, that should be, that should mean that that you should be more creative, right? You're resting, you're uh, surrounded by the stuff you love. So that should mean that you should be more productive. Uh, but it actually means the opposite because on some level, a lot of people feel more pressure to generate the stories or to do even more work. It's almost to show that they're in front of the boss, right? To, to do even more work to show, hey, I'm really indispensable. I'm doing even more work right now, even though you're not literally seeing me doing the work. Yeah, exactly. And for writers too, I think that there are fewer occasions where you're able to really tell yourself, well, I'm busy. I don't have the time to write. You know, you're not going out into the world and, and taking a day trip somewhere or, or going on a hike, or maybe you are if you're doing it socially distanced. But, you know, there are, there are fewer and fewer of those things where you can really say, well, I'm busy this day. Uh, I'll make some time for writing elsewhere. It's like everywhere is really time that you theoretically could be writing, but realistically, you still want to be spending some of that time relaxing. So, you know, there's that constant guilt and pressure of, well, I'm just watching TV. I could be writing. I could be being productive. And now you, there's never any real release from that. <laughs> All right, well, we've looked at some red flags and uh, major issues in the balance between life and work. So let's now take a look at strategies that we've put into place to manage that balance for ourselves, our own experiences, the people around us, and a little bit of a pro tip for each of them uh, that we can talk about. And the first thing 
is uh, that a balance between work and life and the importance of communication. Let's talk about boundaries here. Yeah. So I think in a way it was certainly a lot easier to set professional boundaries when you would physically go into a workplace. The boundary is you walk in the door, you're at work, you walk out of the door, you're not at work. Obviously that wasn't always the case. There are people who are expected to be on call or answering emails or doing work at home still, but it at least was a very clear delineation of I am available immediately at this time from this time. And now we don't really have that. You know, you might have certain meetings in your calendar during the day or things that you know you need to be active from such a time to such a time. Outside of that, there's this sort of expectation that uh, you might still just be available whenever or, well, you weren't working for this particular hour, so you know you'll work another hour outside of that. And I think that that's, it can be quite problematic. Yeah. Uh, and what we are talking about here isn't something as obvious as, all right, at 1 a.m., I want you to make 50 calls. It's much more insidious than that. It's something like at 1 a.m., I'm just casually sending you an email for you to respond to. Or at 10 p.m., I'm uh, sending you a PDF. Do you mind uh, quickly glancing at this? Or in the morning at 8 a.m., you wake up. Hey, uh, do you mind calling so-and-so? It's essentially a 24-7 perpetual mind space of just work. At any moment, you can get that email. and any moment, you can get that call. And uh, going back to the writing of it all, that's akin to a lot of people's experiences on staff, at least the ones that are, uh, let's say, uh, mismanaged in some capacity where they're not quite sure what that schedule is. Should we start at 9 a.m., 10 a.m.? Okay, well, uh, why am I getting emails at 8 a.m. if we're starting at 10 a.m.? Shouldn't we respond to those after we start actual work, after we're essentially in the office, even if it's a virtual office? Those boundaries do not exist now that we are in our own individual spaces as opposed to uh, what we've said, which is something that can be visually tracked, something that can be visually quantified. All those boundaries evaporate now that we are all work from home. A major solution to at least try to handle uh, that uh, lack of boundary is communication. And by that, we mean talk to your boss, talk to the people around you. So uh, just to go back to the writing staff example, if uh, you have a shorter uh, that has weird scheduling rules, and obviously a lot of this is shorter dependent, it's not something that can be prescriptive to everyone. But uh, let's say you have a shorter that has weird rules, that similar rules to the, everybody on staff, talk with the other writers to see if they are on the same page as you are about those commitments, about the increasing amount of stress that you have because you don't have a, a set time every day. Or conversely, if you do have a set time, but you'd rather it be more flexible. Talk about having that flexible schedule even during the week itself. There's no reason why you should be on a nine to five schedule every single day, unless, I mean, there's obvious deadlines at some point, but generally speaking, creative work like TV writing should be on some capacity fluid. Maybe you can work three afternoons from Monday to Wednesday, and then on uh, Friday and, uh, and Thursday, you do mornings or vice versa. Or maybe on Monday, you do blue skying. And on Tuesday and Wednesday, you do breaking story here and there. And uh, another day is essentially work from home, just writing on your draft. Ultimately, a lot of those issues come down to diminishing returns and constantly being on a call, uh, pitching in the room. There's a lot of times where uh, by the afternoon, if you're constantly working, constantly pitching, constantly in those calls, you will not have the energy to sustain it one day, two days, three days, four days, five days a week, constantly. So uh, that's a huge, huge thing. 
yeah, even when writers were meeting in person in writers' rooms, it didn't necessarily mean that everybody had to be in the room every second of the day. You know, you would see more productivity come sometimes out of splitting up into smaller rooms, working on things individually. You would have consulting producers come in for one or two days a week, and they could still work effectively, even though they hadn't been there for the rest of the time. So I think it's a bit of a fallacy that to be effective and to be uh, contributing as a writer, you need to be in the room uh, from nine to five every single day. There are so many different ways that you can contribute to the creative process and to your role. And that can be especially these days done flexibly outside of those hours. Now, if your work situation isn't quite working for you or could be serviced better in some other way, we really want to encourage you to take that opportunity to communicate about it. Like we said, with your boss or with your coworkers, I think a lot of people are afraid to speak up about that. And it's certainly understandable in this day and age in COVID. A lot of people feel lucky just to have a job, whether that's as a writer or as something else in the industry or whatever it happens to be. But I think that you need to know your worth and understand that for the most part, you are an invaluable member of this team and people are willing to make accommodations and are willing to be reasonable uh, when it comes to what you need to work at your best. And you're not saying to them like, oh, I'm lazy. I don't want to work. Can I just work less? That's not what you're asking. What you're asking is uh, for some reasonable accommodations to work the most effectively you can for your schedule, for your life, and for how you're going to work. You're trying to essentially improve the workflow of the business and and be of a benefit to them uh, rather than having something in place that is stopping things from working as effectively as they could be. Exactly. It's about reframing the ask that you are uh, giving. It's not saying, hey, I just want to work less. It's basically saying, hey, I want to work these specific hours so that I'm more productive during those hours, as opposed to working, again, a 40, 60 hour a week for no particular benefit at the end of the day. I'm not sending out more emails. I'm not reading more scripts. I'm not writing more drafts. It doesn't make sense for what we're trying to accomplish here. So what are ways of streamlining that process? Because you do not have that commute, right? You do not have those moments of uh, quote unquote downtimes that were not really downtime, but more in between times. You are much more focused here because you are in one location doing all the tasks. So by definition, that means that you should have more flexibility about when to do X or Y, Z things. So really be able to communicate with your boss in such a way that you can translate those needs, those wants. And honestly, uh, that will make you much more productive in the long run and build that relationship with your boss in a much stronger way than it was before. Yeah, you're trying to make their life easier and your life easier in the long run. So don't feel that if you speak up, you're going to be fired or you're going to have it held against you or whatever it happens to be. I think especially in these circumstances where everyone is working remotely, it usually is going to take them a lot more effort to fire you and then hire somebody new and induct them and get them up to speed than it is to just maybe make a little bit of a compromise and allow you to work slightly different hours so that you can be the best you can be. I think that in these kind of situations, you are the one who often has the leverage, but a lot of people don't realize that. Exactly. And look at your position compared to your boss. If you do have that one-on-one dynamic, so for example, if you're the assistant to an executive, then you already have that relationship, that line of communication between the two of you. So you should feel emboldened to ask them for those things. If you are on staff, if you are the staff writer on a huge writing staff, 
maybe you should not go directly to the shorner, but as I mentioned before, you can talk to the people around you, build allies, ask people around you if they feel the same way. And uh, to be honest, you don't even have to say anything. You can kind of feel the vibe in the room when people are exhausted, when people are over this Skype call that's been going on for six hours. Why are we even here? We haven't even broken one episode. We're just treading water. You can feel those things in the room, even if it's a virtual room. So know where you are in the total pool. And if you have the ability to do that, to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the boss, have it. If you don't, then look around you and build those bridges. Yeah. And that sort of leads us to another aspect of this, which is the concept of switching off or logging off versus always being on a call. Uh, and I know that this can be a little bit of a touchy subject too, because a lot of workplaces and a lot of bosses do expect you to uh, be checking your emails, be checking your Slack, your Discord, whatever it is that you happen to work over in case something comes up. And uh, as we've mentioned, these boundaries keep getting blurred by the fact of working at home and being available and them not knowing that you're really doing anything else with your evenings. Um, but you are, you know, you're, you're spending your own time doing whatever it is that you want to do. It doesn't matter if you're not out at a concert or something like that. That is your time and they are paying you for the time that you're at work and they're not paying you for the rest. And maybe if they are paying you overtime to do other stuff, then that's a different case. But uh, for the most part, I don't think most places do do that. Right. And it is really difficult to track those things. As we said earlier, a lot of those asks are not very obvious things like, all right, let's uh, do all these things at an insane amount of time. It's much more insidious, something like, hey, I'm sending you an email or you're waking up to an email that needs to be responded to as opposed to having something that's at a specific time and place. So watch out for those asks that are outside that window of work. And perhaps you should track those things. Perhaps you should keep those receipts so that when you have that talk with your boss or the people around you, you can say, hey, on these days, you keep sending me emails or you or those things happen that don't really make sense because I'm outside work right now. I'm not in the office. Uh, and you can even say that. I mean, you can just say, hey, I'm not in right now or I'm out or uh, I'm having those calls or I'm talking with my family or blah, 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 or watching a movie, anything really. But the point still stands that you should be able to switch off and log off the devices uh, and the same holds true for a writer's room unless there's obvious deadlines or something uh, intense like that or you are as nick said uh, on overtime but uh, assuming you're not on those things you should be able to live your life and knowing and having a schedule or at least an idea of a schedule should allow you to log off turn off zoom turn off skype turn off your emails, uh, something like that, uh, so that you can be quote unquote free from those requirements for at least a period of time. Right. Yeah. Just because a company is paying you a wage, it doesn't mean that they own you. Your entire life is not now dedicated to the purpose of the company. They're paying you for eight or 10 hours of your day, five days a week. And the rest of that time is yours to deal with what you want, whether they think it is or not. So again, you know, you really do have the leverage in the situation. And of course, you want to be a team player and you want to, when there are important things that come up, you know, some sort of emergency, some sort of, oh, we have a big pitch tomorrow and we really need to get this thing in order. Do you mind taking a quick look at this or whatever it happens to be. Sure. You know, you're not going to be that person who says no every single time and, and draws that line in the sand. At some point you're going to generate some goodwill by doing these things. But I think the important part is not to let yourself be taken advantage of and to make the appearance that you are available 24 uh, seven to do whatever they want, because people will definitely lean into that and take advantage of that. Work is life. Life is work. Now get back to work. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, speaking of uh, switching off and logging 
well, I would say logging on, but we're logging off here. Another thing to do or think about is the physical division of space, especially the physical space between what is work and a play. Uh, obviously, when you had an office, that distinction was pretty clear. But when you're working from home, it's much more ambiguous, especially if you are using your computer or your quote unquote office space to both write and maybe do that day job. Or if you're writing, but also consuming media on the same platform, all those things are things to be aware of in terms of dividing that space of trying to find some kind of separation. Maybe if you are on one computer, maybe you can create two users on that computer where one user is only for work and another user is just for play. That's one thing to one way to digitally divide that space. Yeah, I actually, uh, when the pandemic kind of started, went and bought myself uh, a desk and uh, a chair and set up my own space in a part of the house where I knew that this is my office. This is my workspace. It doesn't matter if it's a corner of the kitchen or uh, something in a bedroom or whatever it happens to be, as long as it's different from the spaces that you are relaxing in. It's not just working on your couch all the time or laying on your bed because psychologically you start to associate those places with work or with sleep or whatever. So if you're laying on your bed, you're going to probably going to get sleepy and not want to do your work or not want to do your writing. If you're laying on the couch, you're going to get distracted easily because this is where you watch the TV and the TV might be on. So it really is important for so many reasons to uh, physically separate that space as much as you can, even if it is going over to somewhere that's just uh, on your kitchen table and you're facing away from the, the TV and towards the window or something, uh, making that, that your workspace uh, is a really important thing to do. Right. And as I mentioned, you can do that virtually by creating a new user or using a different interface. You could even be more creative than that. I'm a huge fan of mechanical keyboards. Sometimes I switch my keyboards out. They have a different layout. They have a different design. So visually, I have a cue that this is a, a different space, so to speak. Even if it's physically the same desk or the same screen or the same computer, at least I'm changing the cues so that I know mentally, okay, I'm moving away from work. I'm here for play or I'm here to, I don't know, uh, do something else on my computer or maybe uh, binge watch uh, or binge listen to 200 episodes of Paper Team back to back to back. That's my, that's my free time. <laughs> uh, one more quick thing on that kind of digital division of work is that if you use uh, Apple devices and Mac devices, uh, if you are logged into your like iCloud account on, you know, work laptop or something like that, then that kind of brings all of your personal stuff onto the desktop and onto this thing. And then you're always connected with your phone to your work and whatever. So if it's possible, if you do have, say, a work computer and a home computer, try to keep those separate. Like don't have your iCloud active on your work computer or, or vice versa so that uh, there isn't that same, you know, you're going to be looking at all of the uh, the music from your iTunes library or whatever when you're at work or you're going to be uh, trying to relax at home and suddenly you've got all of these work documents taking up your entire desktop and that sort of thing. So that can be one way you can kind of create that division as well. Yeah, and you can go the extra mile and create a, a separate email account just for work, although that's a, a separate conversation really than just the physically dividing your space. But there are strategies online on dividing those uh, parts of your life in a way that they don't encroach on one another. So I definitely recommend looking into those. Uh, so let's talk about productivity now, because obviously if you're working, hopefully you're also productive. 
So depending on what kind of job you have, I think a lot of people are going to end up on a bunch of video calls throughout the day. One thing I found that's really important is not just packing your schedule back to back with constant Zoom calls and meetings, because、uh, essentially you're not going to have any time for work during that day because you're on one meeting and on another meeting, and you're not going to be able to be、uh, whatever the work it is you're doing, sending emails, writing scripts, that kind of thing. If you're just constantly in there, then suddenly you get to the end of the day, you finished all your meetings, but all your work is still sitting there piled up, and you're going to have hours of work to do after that. You know, you don't. Always need to be on a call, or、uh, you know, being seen to be、uh, considered working. So make sure that you're leaving a good amount of time in your calendar for actual unstructured work and the things that you need to do. Yeah, I would say the flip version of this, and this is maybe an outside the work conversation, is just taking opportunities to network and play a little bit. If you are not having those Zoom calls, or rather, if you are having those work Zoom calls, but you have more time、uh, in the evening or some、uh, amount of flexibility there. Maybe you should take those opportunities to network a little bit, or at least stay in touch with the people you care about, one way or the other. I feel like a lot of times we get burnt out during the day because of work. We have work, we have Zoom calls that are for work, we have emails that are for work, and at the end we're tapped out. So we do nothing. We don't socialize because we're not going anywhere. We're staying home, but that also means we're not talking to anyone else outside of work.、Uh, and so that is something to watch out for. That is a detriment to your own mental health. Take those opportunities if you have them to. I don't want to say necessarily network, but at least have those calls occasionally.、It、doesn't have to be back-to-back -back Zoom calls like your、uh, work meetings or anything like that. But you should have that time to socialize a little bit, even if it's virtual socialization. Play games with people, do something else. So at least you have that gap of time where you are interacting with other people outside of work. I think that's the two components to keep in mind. It's one, interacting with people, and、uh, two, people that are not in your Work circles, people outside of that, so that's very important, and that will help you in turn with productivity because you won't be distracted. You'll you'll be able to focus on work during those in hours. Yeah, definitely.、Uh, one little trick I found helpful、uh, when you're kind of planning your own calendar, or if you're in a workspace that uses perhaps like a shared calendar system, like a Google Calendar, and people might be able to see what's on your calendar or put in their own meetings to request to have time with you, is to essentially when you need that time for unstructured work, whether it's chipping away at a pitch document or a script, or、uh, responding to some emails, reviewing some cuts, whatever it is that you're doing, is to actually put that in as essentially an appointment in your calendar. And I've I've mentioned this before as A strategy for doing your own writing is, you know, setting a time in your calendar in the evening or on the weekend,、uh, which is your writing time,、uh, as an actual appointment. Just the same as if you were going to a doctor or going to meet somebody for lunch, whatever that happens to be. Don't just kind of give yourself a vague amount of time and expect it'll get done because it won't. Make sure that you're treating this as. Here's one hour block of time, and this is the thing I'm going to do in it. And don't let other people and kind of encroach into that and eat into that and set a meeting or say, "Hey, can you jump on this thing?" You'd be like, "I'm sorry, I'm busy. I'm working on this project.、Uh, can we do it later?" Whatever it happens to be. Right, and that's a great way to again quantify that work. This is something that I keep repeating, but、uh, it bears repeating: the fact that、uh, because you work from home, you're not visibly seen as working. So use or take those opportunities to quantify that work to show that hey, from this time and that time, I'm unavailable. I'm actually working. You're paying me to do this thing. So、uh, see that, look at it. So、uh, putting that in your calendar, in my mind, it is an actual great strategy. It's a win-win for you.、Uh, to To be accountable towards yourself, but also towards other people, and show that、uh, you are a good employee. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one more little strategy that you can employ is to reduce the length of your meetings, especially if they are video calls. Uh, I find that things actually get done a lot quicker when you don't have to uh, go to a place and then find there and get in, sit down, all that kind of thing. Uh, meetings that would usually maybe take an hour to have a coffee with someone and sit down and get order your coffee and have some small talk and then talk about what you were meant to talk about and then pay for your coffee and leave and get in your car and go home, all that kind of thing. Instead of it being an hour, hour and a half, you can get this done in 20, 30 minutes sometimes. It really just depends on on what it's about. But for the most part, I find that most meetings can be accomplished in that time frame if it's as long as it's not a working meeting or whatever it happens to be. So the default meeting time in a lot of calendars is an hour. And if you just put that in, then you uh, have used up the full hour of your day. But if you put it in for a half hour and then give yourself the rest of that time to do something else or even put in another meeting, uh, you're saving yourself twice as much time. Yeah, and the same holds true for those writer's rooms. I know a lot of very efficient digital writer's rooms that have a, a lower amount of hours per day. Maybe they meet three, four hours a day. That seems really low, but if you cut out the small talk, if you cut out the distractions, if you just for three hours a day work on the show, then you are so much more productive because all the other hours can be background processing. You can work on the show even outside of those hours. You can think about pitches, think about characters, think about stories, and then meet for three hours, meet for four hours and talk during that relatively short amount of time. But during that short amount of time, you'll be much more productive. You'll be delivering those pitches as opposed to spending an entire day, 10 hours on a Zoom call, on a video call, uh, just uh, floundering around, not knowing what to do, what to pitch or what to say. Uh, those are the huge differences between a well-managed writer's room, at least virtually, and a one that isn't. All right. So another uh, topic that we wanted to discuss in relation to all of this is essentially um, the flexibility that working from home brings and perhaps some of the opportunity that comes with that. Right. And, and the first thing to think about uh, when it comes to that ability to be flexible and those opportunities that are offered to you is uh, be aware of the energy that you bring, the energy that you have. Uh, obviously, sometimes that work-life balance isn't objectively measurable. You can't say, all right, from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., I'm going to be working, or the, that's like an insane amount of work I just mentioned. But from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., I'm working nonstop or something like that. Sometimes you don't have that strict schedule, that strict balance. So look at other ways of quantifying it. Look at other ways of being more flexible and uh, finding those opportunities by looking at your levels of energy. Look at what gives you energy versus drains you. Social time for one person is going to give them a lot of energy, but for someone else, social time might be draining. And the same holds true for brainstorming ideas. Maybe someone loves brainstorming pitches for uh, work and another person hates it. Maybe someone thrives on pitching in the room. Maybe someone would love to be five hours on a conference call, but uh, someone doesn't want that. So look at what gives you energy versus drains you. And once you are aware of that, you can lean into the opportunities that you want because you have much more, hopefully, much more flexibility on your schedule. You can essentially pick and choose and plug in and out things that you may not want to do as opposed to things you want to do. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that people sometimes don't consider uh, mental health and things like your energy levels and your, your tolerance and uh, your attention span and that kind of thing in the same way that they do a lot of physical things and, and ailments and tolerances that we have. You know, if your legs were incredibly sore from working out at the gym, you're not going to force yourself to go run five miles uh, immediately after that. It's the same thing with your brain. <laughs> you know, if you're uh, you're exhausted yourself and your levels of energy and you've been working all day, you're not going to turn around and expect yourself to put in a solid two or three hours of writing a script. Uh, you really need to be kind of managing that and understanding that it is exactly as important as if you had hurt yourself physically or you weren't up to scratch physically. Please be keeping that in mind for both your kind of mental uh, energy levels as well. Yeah, burnout is real. And we haven't really talked about burnout on this episode. We've talked about burnout in other episodes, but it is something to keep in mind. Mental health is important. And it, it, it's sort of the, the trend here that some things are not visible outwardly. Some things cannot be necessarily measured objectively. And mental health is one of those things. It's not something that can be obvious from the outside in, but uh, you should know, you should keep a track on yourself because maybe you have neighbors, maybe you have roommates, maybe you're by yourself, whatever the case may be, you are accountable towards yourself. So please use that opportunity to be accountable and measure yourself. Think about your own mental health and uh, prioritize those things. So in terms of the opportunities that come along with working from home, obviously it's not all negative. Uh, there are a couple of areas where you might see a real positive return to your day or your schedule or whatever it may be. Uh, one of those things is absolutely saving on commute time. Uh, for a lot of us in LA with the level of traffic and, and issues like that, uh, commuting can take two hours, three hours out of your day sometimes, depending on where you need to go. So that's an incredible boon to have that time suddenly back. You know, if you really want to, you can wake up right before work. No one's going to know if you haven't had a shower yet or something, just comb your hair over. You know, you can really like make the most of your time uh, because- I see you, Nick. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody looked too closely at me, uh, you know, but they, they can't smell you through the laptop, so it's okay. No, but for real, I, and you really do have a whole bunch more time in your day because of the lack of a community for those who were previously having to go somewhere quite far away. So, um, you know, that time has been given back to you and you can decide what you want to do with it. Maybe it's just relaxing. Maybe it's giving yourself that break and not forcing yourself to essentially be at work for another two or three hours in the day. Or maybe that's time you can put towards creative pursuits, uh, making sure that you're carving out that hour of time towards working on your next pilot or your script, whatever it may be. Yeah. And to be clear, this is the kind of uh, a time that you should fight to have for yourself. What I mean by that is if your work started at 10 a.m. and you would wake up at 8.30 to commute for an hour starting at 9, now that you work from home, don't start the day at 9 a.m., your work day at 9 a.m. Maybe if you are working on your own project or you want to prioritize some things, okay, go for it. But uh, if you're not being paid for that commute hour, essentially, do not retract from that amount of time. I've been in rooms where, because we did not have a commute, now all of a sudden we have an extra hour of work. Not an hour of free time, but an hour of work. It's like, wait, was I working while commuting? Not really. It was kind of the between time and now I should have that time back. So this is something to be aware of. You are saving commute time. This is one of those cases where you should really fight for that time for yourself, not for the G-man, so to speak. I will say though, the one thing that uh, not having a commute uh, entails is for me at least is that I don't really have as much time to listen to podcasts. That was when I would uh, put on uh, screenwriting podcasts, whatever else I'm interested in, uh, and, and or audiobooks and, and chip away and listen to those then. So uh, I think I'll take it on the sum of things, but I, I definitely am way behind on, uh, on my podcasts. <laughs> 
It's kind of funny because even though I believe that is absolutely true for a lot of people, a lot of people uh, probably don't have that commute and therefore listen to fewer and fewer podcasts. Our downloads have been up uh, since the pandemic, ironically enough. So uh, I don't really know where people find the, the time and space to listen to podcasts. But. Yeah, I find it weird to just kind of like be sitting in like the living room and like listening to a podcast and not doing anything else. It feels like something I should be doing while I'm doing something else. So maybe you put the podcast on while you're doing your laundry or washing the dishes or something like that instead. But uh, it just feels weird to dedicate my entire uh, time to listening to something Absolutely. Uh, like a podcast. Yeah, it is uh, kind of the way I listen to podcasts. I listen to them while doing other things, whether that is doing chores or walking around. What are some other opportunities and uh, importance of being flexible in your schedule? Uh, yeah. And one thing I'll say is that, you know, if you're working, say, a nine to five, eight to six, whatever it is day uh, on your computer and online is to make sure that you actually carve out the time for lunch. I know a lot of assistants and people don't sometimes don't get to physically leave their desk and take a lunch hour, which is probably illegal. Um, so, you know, make sure that when you're at home, you have the opportunity to Block that out in your calendar every day at 1 p.m., whatever it is. You get to walk to your kitchen, make yourself a sandwich or whatever it is you're eating and sit down and like watch some TV and just switch off and allow your brain to not be, you don't have to be checking your phone or your email throughout that lunch break. It's important to give yourself a little bit of time and space back in your mental energy uh, to recover and get ready for that second half of the day. So don't assume just because you're working from home and on your laptop that, and you can eat a sandwich while you're listening in on a call or something, that that's what you should do. That's still your time and you should still take it. Absolutely. In the same way that the commute time should be your time, lunchtime should be your time as well. Carve that out in your schedule. And maybe you have a hard out. Maybe you cut out a Wi-Fi or uh, internet or what have you on your phone during that period of time. So at least, you know, you're not being distracted if it takes you that uh, effort to not look at your phone. Uh, but I'm just saying that that amount of time, whether it's lunchtime, commute time, all the times and periods that we speak about, those are things you should reclaim for yourself. These are not things that belong to other people. And the lunchtime is very important. It is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's because of the French nature in me that speaks to the importance of food and, uh, and lunch, but, uh, uh, it's definitely something to be respected. Yeah. Do you have time for a nine course meal at lunch with a wine pairing at every course? <laughs> Yes. Uh, every single day, it takes me literally 45 minutes to do nine courses. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, another thing we talked about with this flexibility is that uh, working from home can actually bring a lot of different opportunities to your job and your work. Uh, going back to that Hollywood Reporter article, some of the assistants were reporting that meetings that they previously weren't allowed to be a part of, whether it be a pitch meeting or a general meeting or uh, whatever it happens to be that would take place behind closed doors in a little conference room somewhere. Uh, now they can just log in and listen. You know, maybe they switch off their camera and just listen in, or, or maybe they get to sit there and be a part of it. It doesn't take any more effort for them to be in this meeting and listening and learning to all of that. Yeah. And conversely, if you are an assistant in a writer's room, you will hopefully have more instances where you can pitch in uh, because you are one uh, square on a screen or maybe one audio uh, in the ear of someone. Uh, you are blended in with the, the crew or the writing cast. The writing cast? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. You are blended in with the writer's room, uh, as it were. Uh, so you have those opportunities usually because it's a very insular 
a place that we're in right now. You uh, are dependent on other people and those people are also dependent on you, especially during work. So uh, use those opportunities, use those things that are given to you to propel you forward, including if you're an assistant, you can uh, pitch a little bit more. Or if you are uh, an assistant to an executive, you can ask to listen to uh, some calls or be part of some Zoom calls or something like that. And maybe you can turn off your webcams and not be creepy, but those are ways you can be more present and also level up. All right, let's close out this episode by looking at briefly some resources that have helped us with this work-life balance. Yeah, so this one might be a little bit obvious, but uh, for those of you who don't use it regularly, Google Calendar has a lot of great functionality, and basically everybody gets one automatically with your Gmail account. So um, whether this is for work or even your own personal kind of chats with friends and family, uh, it's super, super easy to just kind of open up your uh, Google Calendar tab and pop in a meeting, add somebody's email to it, and then boom, you already have a video chat link that's sent to them automatically. It sends them a reminder a half hour before, and it's you know, you don't have a time limit on it in the same way as Zoom. You don't have to worry about setting up uh, the Zoom thing and a password and all of that. So that's a nice, easy way to both uh, keep track of your time and your responsibilities and also uh, easy functionality for meeting with other people. Yeah, especially if you use a lot of scheduling through Google, through Google Calendar, Google Meet, all the Google apps, there's a lot of automation features that are baked into those applications. So definitely look out for those. Uh, I will mention in terms of application, if you are working from home and you have a set schedule or something that's repetitive, like chores or tasks or work or something like that, you should look into some well-designed tasks, trackers or applications. For example, there's this app called Loop habit tracker. It's actually a, a relatively new application on Android. I don't know if there's an iOS version I said, but what that application does is it quote unquote gamifies the tasks that you do so that it gives you uh, bonus points or money, virtual money essentially to then purchase rewards. And conversely, if you don't do certain things, you get fined some virtual money. Uh, and uh, and the amount of money also d- depends. So you can't really game the system as it were, as opposed to if you are uh, accountable towards yourself and uh, towards the app, you can do certain tasks and earn th- certain things that are randomized sometimes. So obviously all this is dependent on your own use case. If you are someone who uses or needs those apps, this is one to look out for. Yeah. And uh, this is not so much a, a resource, I suppose, but another one of those kind of opportunities uh, that we mentioned. But I feel that this kind of quarantine and COVID times and working from home has actually given me more of a desire uh, and time to read physical books again. It's something that I felt had been missing from my life for a while um, because I'm constantly consuming so much television, so many movies, uh, reading scripts that I hadn't really sat down and read a lot of books for pleasure anymore. Uh, however, now that we're spending so much time on screens constantly and video calls with people, whether it be for work or for for home uh, with friendships and, and, and your family. Uh, now it's I've really felt the pressure more than ever to switch off and to not be looking at a screen. And uh, previously when I might have read a script on my laptop or uh, a book on a Kindle or whatever, I really felt the desire to just grab some physical paper that you can hold in your hands and read the words on the page um, and not have these kind of constant distractions popping up on screen. So um, I thought 
I've really gotten back into reading uh, books again, and uh, that's been super helpful for me to kind of uh, for my mental health to switch off a little bit and have something physical and tangible in front of me that isn't just another screen. That's awesome. Yeah, I've also uh, started reading a lot of physical books as well. Although I, I say physical, but a lot of them are in my e-reader, so perhaps halfway between physical and digital. Um, but I will also mention that personally, I love to learn new things, learn new skills, and that's been one of the better opportunities. Uh, having control of my schedule in some capacity and my work environment allows me to learn new skills and who knows, develop new projects, do something else that's uh, more lateral or different and parallel to TV writing itself. So uh, that's something to watch out for in the same way that Nick, you're reading more books and, and so forth. A lot of people are learning new skills and doing different things. So you have the ability to develop into your own. It's almost uh, like a, a second uh, a college uh, campus experience, I guess. Uh, not that I know anything about campus experience because I went to college in Paris, but from a Greek and other TV shows about college, <laughs> that seems to be what it is. <laughs> And uh, last but certainly not least, we would be remiss not to mention even more resources and strategies when it comes to the TV writer's mindset and productivity, notably PT17, which was all about dealing with procrastination, the blank page, and the muse, as well as PT126, which was about staying productive during the hiatus. And while this is not obviously a hiatus per se, it is very similar in that you are working from home both, uh, both times. So uh, keep those episodes in mind. And on that note, don't forget that we are on Patreon. So if you enjoyed this episode, help us start the year 2021 on an amazing note by supporting Paper Team via our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You will get exclusive content, opportunities, and merch, and we can keep producing an awesome show like this one for you every week. So thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in. You can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 203. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes, or TV running questions that you want answered on this podcast, you can always send those to ask at paperteam.co. And next week is step number five with our 2020 mentorship with Ben Warner as we take a look at the revised draft of his one-hour drama pilot, The Pirate King. So we'll see you then.